It's an art story production. Hola folks and welcome to the Be Impactful podcast. This is your host Vee Shiva and I am Vineet. So today we have a very interesting topic especially continuing the flow of the season where we speak more about influences. One group where influences are continuous part is teams. We have all been part of teams, formal, informal, structured, unstructured, in corporates. We've all been part of teams and we've all had fantastic or absolutely lousy experiences, depending again on the composition of the team and how things work over there. I, for my example, I've worked in multiple companies. I've been part of various teams. I've been part of inter-country, intercultural teams. Uh, and I've had various experiences. I've been a, a Tamilian in a group of uh, Marathis and North Indians. Had a different experience there. I've been a person who joined a company and thus joined a team in the middle level when all the other people in the team were folks of at least eight or more years in, in that same company. So they all had a sense of seniority, even though they were maybe junior or whatever. Their acceptance of me coming in over there. I've been part of a team where we've had folks from Singapore, US, India, again, various parts of India, all things come to. And again, experiences over there, there are biases which exist. And these are the biases that I've experienced. Some have worked in my favor, some haven't. And so uh, we're going to be sharing those experiences in the episode today. And uh, I call on my co-host Vineet to share a few of his experiences before we then get on our guest inside. Uh, hi guys, I'll take this excerpt from Masters of Scale podcast by Reed Hoffman, where Reed says that uh, when you are at war, Marines land on the beach, army takes over the country and the police rule it. So the whole idea behind encompassing this example is that when a company is at an idea or a startup stage, uh, there is a different dynamic which is involved when it goes to a growth stage, established products, there is a different dynamic. And when company becomes a legacy, all right, it's a totally different story. So having said that, as a community strategist and as a working professional, I have worked with startups and small companies which are growing. So the kind of team dynamics and leadership comes into play is very different compared to what Shiva has at this point of time. And, and that's where we interact, engage and gel a lot because the kind of experiences what Shiva brings in and the kind of experiences what I bring in. And there is a culmination of a space where both of us are pretty interested and excited about. And, and that's where, you know, the complementary skill sets comes into play. So having said that, Shiva, who do we have on our podcast episode today? Yep. And actually... Getting into the mix, Vineet's experience there, my experience there, and we decided to throw in a little more experience. We have Vivek Shankar Naran with us, who's the co-founder of Impact Free Data Technology. He's a chemical engineer with an MBA, 15 years of experience in manufacturing of petrochemicals. I guess you know which company we're going to talk about. And he's handled teams across technology, projects, research. And the last project of his was actually overseeing strategic projects in petrochemicals and working with the chairman's office of that company. He currently runs a startup called Impactly that works on using data analytics and changing how corporates and non-profits measure social impact and use it for sustainability and growth. So he's had his own experiences of working with teams and communities across uh, strata of society. So with that, welcoming on Vivek. Hi, Vivek. Hi, Shiva. Hi, Vinit. Thank you for having me here. I, it's a great pleasure to be here. What you guys said is absolutely right, right? So the challenges of operating teams 
whether we are in a large multi billion dollar company or whether you are in a startup uh, surviving from day to day they are absolutely unique and the only reality is that biases exist in both places and the challenges have to be overcome in either place so it's great to be having this conversation with you all and i think it gave me the right segue to get into this conversation you said biases and we've all experienced biases so in your experience also what are the key biases that you find when you're working in a team and which define how the team actually functions and delivers what are some of the key biases you found so so shiva i think we need to begin by understanding that we have given the term bias a very negative connotation but the reality is that biases are essentially the way our mind works on heuristics right a heuristic is essentially a shortcut as the brain tells you that hey you don't have to do all these analytics is a shortcut way of doing something now that taken to an extreme is a bias now some of the most common biases that i have seen and these are something which even we have experienced is one is called confirmation bias and the second is groupthink right and these are two very well known well studied types of biases and oh, yeah. groupthink essentially is that you have this fear of being the odd one out in a team so you would generally have people who hardly ever contribute what that leads to is actually some very disastrous occasions where in in projects you seen that some of the people who are most silent are the one who are actually in the field and they are the ones who are the most experienced so what is going on right or wrong about a program and it's very critical that you get their inputs in at the right time so that decisions are taken correctly well in the case of confirmation bias i think confirmation bias is what we do when we go through our social media streams that you see that what literally what is the first thing on your page is what suits your mentality and you think that oh that is what the world is supposed to operate i can give you an example of how when we were launching prabhav so prabhav essentially happens to be the our data analytics platform what we did was we went to two or three of our most loyal customers who we have been working with for some time and we got their inputs and we thought oh this is probably how the entire social sector works and we built the entire platform on that and then we went and launched it and when yeah. we launched it we realized oh the world operates on a completely different note we were thinking of a just a niche so that's essentially confirmation bias at its finest so you can see that even after talking about bias and knowing about this we it's very easy to fall prey to this and it's extremely critical that you identify it and then you figure out how you're going to solve it vivek so adding to your point while i was doing my distance learning mba from nmims mumbai campus uh, one of my professors in one of the classes i think it was organizational behavior class said that if everybody is thinking the same thing in the room so nobody is thinking and i was like what is this professor talking about in that class it hit me that if you are not contributing something to the discussion something to the class whether it is in a formal informal professional and social setup looks like you are simply agreeing to whatever is being said and your mind actually sleeps off so you are not actively participating in it it's just that you are there for the sake of being right i totally agree with you that what we study from textbook and what we observe in the real life both professional as well as uh, personal it spills over right if if i can say so yeah yeah so i agree with what what you're saying vinay in fact one of the things which teams usually do is that they keep asking does anybody have anything to contribute this i feel is the worst ever statement we can make because by making such an open ended statement nobody is ever really going to contribute no one's going to stick their neck out you would rather look at actively engaging with the quietest people in your team and then forcing them to come up with a statement which says that oh this is what is going on right so i think that's how you can actually get people to contribute rather than acknowledging it and just giving a loose open ended statement saying that hey do you want something to contribute and i agree i agree with you vivek i've actually experiences where i've had people who who actually 
ensure that every single person in the room contributes to the conversation, contributes to discussion, contributes to the project, and they are heard. I've actually had a boss who actually told people who keep talking too much, says, hey, can you just hold on for a minute? I think I want to hear X's opinion. He's, he or she is not spoken yet. I think I want to hear the opinion. I'm sure they have something uh, great to contribute. And the very words they used would actually motivate the person. I'm sure they have something great to contribute. That would motivate a person also to talk. You need the right kind of person also running the meeting to cut through some of the, I, as you said, the negative part of the bias and say, we know that your experience and your thoughts will actually be able to contribute. And as you said, sometimes the quiet ones in the meeting are the ones who have something good and we actually missing out when you don't get their, their information and their, their thoughts. Yes, absolutely. We have given the negative connotation to the bias and, the, and I totally agree with you with that. But uh, how do you think we can actually leverage these things of the biases? How do you think we can leverage these biases to improve the decision-making process? See, I think the first thing you need to do is understand the fact that biases exist and uh, how much ever we try, these biases are not going to go away so soon. What you can do is put in place systems and processes which have these checks and balances. For example, I believe that there are three touch points you have with your team, right? First is when you recruit them. The second is when you're daily working with them or in meetings. And the third is when you have an evaluation process in place. What is important is that if you want to leverage bias and see how it improves decision-making is you strengthen each of these pillars of when you're recruiting, when you're having your regular meetings and when you're evaluating them. So when you're recruiting people, the most important things is do you re- do you prefer potential over skills? So for example, when, when I was moving from operations to technology as a function, my boss over there actually when he was interviewing me said that, look, I'm not interested in whether you know certain detailed aspects of chemical engineering. What he was more interested in seeing is, okay, are, are you having the drive to go learn And then having the initiative to take on challenges. That's the kind of people he wanted in his team who could take things ahead as far as that process was concerned. The next thing he said was, okay, now knowing the fact that you have these things and you're in shortfall of these skills, am I ready to invest in the tools which you need to learn on yourself? So what is important when you're recruiting is that you put in a place where you're trying to recruit them on the potentials rather than on the skills itself. Because skills can be taught, but potential and attitude, these are things which are very difficult for people to unlearn and relearn. When you come to meetings, what you said, Shiva, is absolutely right. You need to get more contribution in from your team. And what is important is you need to understand your team very well. And that's when this entire sense of being in a family or being in a brotherhood comes into place, right? That you're able to get things in, understand what the challenges are, and then focus on them, uh, on meetings. And while evaluating, I think it's extremely important while companies like to say that they have criteria frozen. It's also important that while your criteria is frozen, are you following them in rule and in spirit? It's only when these three things are in place that you can actually leverage bias and then improve decisions. What you're speaking about also is an underlying way, having the right culture in the whole organization so that you know what you're hiring for. You know, the person who's going to come in, is going to fit this culture run. Make it as smooth as possible. Nothing is ever an absolute smooth run. There's going to be a learning process. There are going to be ups and downs, rough areas and bumps to hit. But as smooth as possible. And when you have more people working in an open-minded organization and working towards getting contributions from everybody, I think that's a huge plus. Uh, True. I quickly want to share a quick thing of how one of my managers, in fact, when, when he was speaking about what your manager said, one of my managers, we had this as part of our team, where uh, we had two different rooms near that where we sat. And we always knew, depending on where we are sitting, what sort of a meeting it was going to be. There was one room with a round table and one room with a rectangular table. When we were in the round table, we all knew that 
once we enter the room we are all at par it is going to be a brainstorming session every person's input was valid was equally valid we are all at equal standing see there's no director senior manager programmer analyst consultant there's nothing like that all of us are on equal stand and everyone could speak without any fear any any hindrances to the room but we knew that when we are in the other room which was the rectangular room and the our managing structure sat there at the table we knew then that when the reporting structure it's going to be a review and this it actually set the terms for the meeting it set this and very well it was respected in fact we had a clear respect when we were in the room in the round table room where the manager himself set the tone he would actually ask every single person and there are times when we have abandoned uh, ideas from other people take the idea of the freshest uh, recruit into the team who was a graduate and uh, just just a year after graduation of college he had the freshest idea and the best idea and actually worked out great for us and shiva so you shared the one end of the spectrum i would share the other end of the spectrum considering the fact that you know i have worked with startups and small companies so there the story is very different because at the end of it uh, the team and the company is essentially founder led all right there have been couple of times in few of my organizations where i worked last i had a fear of stating it out it was like if i go ahead and confront if i go ahead and put something which is very different from what is being discussed there might be a chance that i might be losing my job i might be kicked out the next day and considering the fact that we work in a corporate world and the businesses operate in a very different way the fear of losing a job was so big that it was like let this thing sail through was how the mindset uh, was shaped into so so that is the other end and and i was like this is something which has to be broken i don't know how but the fact is yes that is something which has evolved and come over a period of time so that is also another aspect which comes into place so vinit uh, your point is right i mean now the challenge we face it when i'm scaling up my own company is this that in the beginning what i thought was oh if something which i've done for a corporate works then it should be very easily transposed into my own organization and then i realized that no that's not the case the fact is that uh, we are working with people with completely different um, skill sets mindsets and also what you're saying right so the idea is that you're in a high risk environment also of a startup but what uh, what remains true is that the fundamentals are still the same unless you understand how your team operates Now, it's not going to be possible for them to even be successful so for what we do at impactry is uh, all our team members when they join in we run something called the clifton strengths analysis now a lot of corporates run it there are different names for strengths tests why the reason why we do this is while we are just an eight member team we also realize that each one of us comes from different areas so while my co-founder she comes from the social sector i come from corporate there's somebody coming from research and university what is important to understand is what each person brings to the table as a team at the end of the day as long as we are able to deliver that's what is important now by doing the strengths analysis i realize that who in my team has what skill and what level are they able to push it to and by doing this what happens is i'm able to therefore confront them on ideas ideation and on execution plans and therefore work out in a better way so i am not saying that that's the best way of doing it but this is a middle ground that we have found that oh if i were to understand their strengths i will know how they react in circumstances and that's when i can figure out okay what's the best way to get work done from my team and i know it's not an answer but it's a starting point for us at least agree with you vivek and i think that uh, what what you're doing vivek there have to be various attempts there's no one mantra or one formula which says that 
do these steps and you're going to have a great function. Oh, yeah. But it's various things that we're trying out to do. And I think from all our experience, we also know that when, when, when you have a high-functioning team, it results more often than not in great-performing companies. Being a marketing guy, I always say when you have a great-performing company, it improves the market position of the company. What are some of the basic things that a team should have to becoming a high-functioning team? Um, in the sense that you're asking about what are the basic skill sets which a team should have or, or what makes them successful? Skill sets, attitudes, whatever. What are the fundamentals of how a team can become a high-functioning team? Okay. Number one is that the expectations have to be set in stone. But the expectations also need to be customized from person to person in the team. The reason why this is extremely important is what I was telling the last time that each person brings in a different skill set and a different attitude when they're coming to the team. And if you have just one common approach for all of them, that's not going to work. So what we would generally have is an annual operating plan. But at the end of the annual operating plan, there was a more important personal development plan, which was more rigorously reviewed. The idea is that while we know what the end objective is, the important thing is to know what are the milestones that you're going to achieve in order to go to that objective. Because for everybody, it's a learning curve. The second, which we felt most important was to develop a feeling of trust. Now, trust in a team can be in different ways. Some people call it delegation. But whatever may be the case, the idea is while you build in trust, it's also important to build in checks and processes to validate this trust. Because what we fail to realize is that when we all join organizations at the initial stage, either as graduate trainees, you're joining in as an individual contributor. And then when you start leading a team, all of a sudden the management expects that, hey, you should be able to run a team, but you clearly don't have the skill sets for it. And that's when you move from a micromanaging to a delegation kind of a mentality. But the important idea is, are you able to build in checks and processes to ensure that the team functions in a better way? If you are able to do these two, then you will be able to have a team which which is far more agile in how they're operating and they're able to deliver. Unless you're able to do these settings in place, it's very difficult for teams to, how do I put it, actually achieve their targets. One is clearly what you started off with saying that setting the expectations, communicating them very clearly to the team and finally also empowering the Mm -hmm. team to take the necessary decisions, take the necessary actions to meet those expectations, whatever is necessary. If, if for everything, a team member again has to go back to the team leader or the team manager asking for permission. At some levels, I think they need to be empowered to take that decision, take the actions, and so that they can meet the expectations that are set of them. Otherwise, that, that can also cause, I think, uh, discourage team motivation and, and decrease the function overall of the team. Correct. So I'll give you an example. And it's a, it's a very funny story. The first time I was leading an entire vertical and I always used to think that, oh, everyone micromanage and I am going to be the person who's going to delegate everything to my team. Right. So the day one, I walked into the team and these are a bunch of just college graduates. Actually. They're just barely 22, 23 years old who have come into a high pressure environment. And I all of a sudden I tell them that, look, from today onwards, I'm going to delegate everything to you all. So whatever you all have to do, you are completely in charge. But then I soon realized, and even they came back to me saying that, hey, boss, this methodology is not going to work because we also need mentorship and guidance in someone to make sure that are we doing the right set of things, right? So that's when I realized that the step from micromanaging to delegation, while it sounds amazing in a Harvard Business Review article, 
it's extremely difficult to put it in place because I haven't set up the expectations right. I haven't communicated the set of processes. Unless I put all these frameworks in place, how do I expect my team to deliver? Right. So what you said was right. My team morale went down. There was complete breakup. They came back to me and said that, look, this is not heading the right way. Let's figure out how we're going to make this work. And then I went back to my mentor. And this is why it's extremely important to have a mentor with whom you can debate and discuss these things is to set in place these processes so that it took about six months, but it's at the end of the six months where each one of them could actually go and deliver on their objectives independently. And that's important. You need to put the hard work to put the processes in place. Other than otherwise, you can't expect teams to start functioning overnight. And Vivek, I have a very different but interesting question to ask because it plays a key role. So how you are brought up right from your childhood to your professional experiences and the kind of folks you have worked with also impacts your thought process, the decision-making process and your ability to take the risk. Uh, The way I am putting it out is like somebody who is like born and brought up in a rural setup with limited resources. That is one thing to somebody who is brought up in a small town uh, to someone, you know, who has been born and brought up in a metro city as well as have had exposure to uh, both uh, domestic and international experiences in a, a professional as well as a social setting. So that also really goes ahead and shapes the decision making process or the thought process. So how do you think when you get these high performing team into place, everybody is coming from a various uh, different backgrounds. How do you level up? And make sure that the objective which we are working for, whether be it a startup, small business, growing company, or even an established organization where you have worked in a different setup, how does the entire thing come together? Because I know I have asked a very blue sky question, but a very important one to for everybody to understand that what exactly are they looking at? So in this very question, you have defined a heuristic, right? You have defined a heuristic or a bias yourself by saying that, hey, look, I need these particular skill sets in place to have a high functional team. But the reality is it's not necessarily so. I mean, there are enough organizations globally who are taking people from small towns, smaller cities who have been from totally underprivileged backgrounds and they're still able to achieve high levels of success. The beauty of what they're able to do is they're able to ensure that what each person brings to the team is complemented by someone else in the team. At the end of the day, that's what as managers we are trained to do. I mean, we are at least we are people hope that we do that. That you're able to identify that, oh, if somebody is coming from this background, this is what he's bringing to the table. This is what the person is bringing to us, achieving the overall objective. Now, what is left? How can I complement that? So as a leader, it doesn't make a difference where your people come from. What is important is what they're bringing to the table. If you are able to understand that, then you will be able to get a high functioning team. And for all that, what is important is A, setting the expectation right and communication. Now, the important thing in communication is you would find people who are not going to open up in meetings. Now, if you're as long as you have set the expectation right and you have kept the meeting certain in a way that people will open up, then you will see the quality of their outputs improving. So I have had people on my team who have come from not the best of colleges, but I have not seen any issue in how they have contributed to the team simply because we have given them the place in the team for them to show what they're capable of doing. They might be silently doing it, but they for sure are much more capable than what we think they are. I think a good example of what you're talking about is their Wembo from Zoho. Yeah. He's actually shifted the whole thing now to a rural area. 
and he's he's employing people from there he's also taken some people from his from so he's he's actually got a complete mix and i think he's leveraging the skills the native skills the inherent skills of each one and made the right adjustments to ensure that the teams work well and they're all in the rural area they're, they're not exactly in the city and soho is actually functioning worldwide correct shiva and i like to give another example uh, i mean he's one of my friends santosh he's running a iot startup based out of his village in uttar pradesh so this guy is an nit product he has couple of patents to his name he was part of iim bangalore's accelerator while he was uh, building this entire startup built ideated the products in uh, bangalore as well as noida and finally when he had to set up his manufacturing setup and make sure that you know things are scaled he went back to his village and he's like i want to give back to the society and he's doing it and trust me the kind of stuff what it does is really cutting edge so that is another example of it that how the experiences you know come into place and where exactly do you go and thrive vivek you're saying something no so i was just want to give an example of a person in my own team this um, this uh, person whom we recruited called uh, lalit he does not know anything about analytics or of the social sector okay he joined in our team essentially for content management and things like that but uh, over the last 6 months he has been able to take the initiative in understanding analytics as part of content and to an, to a point where he now does all the analytics for our programs running across latur and usmanabad now he's a person who has no interest in math before he ever joined us now the only thing was that we were able to get our expectations right that hey unless you learn these things you wouldn't be successful and we have given him that niche where he's able to learn and then implement and then figure out his own path that's what is important you need to invest in time and effort for it and 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 6 months yeah it somehow seems to be this golden number we are arriving at where that's the amount of time it takes for people in our team to figure out what they want to do and how they have to do it and you as long as you are able to support them there is no reason why they can't succeed all right thanks vivek for uh, sharing this example from your team because we have had uh, different experiences and considering the fact that you work with an established organization and you are bringing that sort of experience as well as maturity uh, to running your startup this is a very encouraging story so any final uh, pointers which we want to share with our listeners uh, before i do the final uh, takeaways any last point because we spoke about biases we spoke about heuristics we spoke about enabling the uh, people on the team uh, right from individual contributors to becoming a team member to a team leader and there is a mentorship both the formal and the informal processes uh, there are certain things which has to be learned on the own and there are certain things which comes through experience and that is the holistic picture what we have encompassed at this point of time Yes, so we need to so just to conclude. I would say that uh, the first thing we need to understand is that biases do exist, and they're not going away any time soon, right? So the fact is, it's high time that we realize the fact that there are biases, and then we understand how do you leverage them, and then figure out how to take the best decisions with the biases in place, and how do you overcome them. what is also important like i said is to get a mentor on this path of yours because otherwise you will be so drowned in your own reactive work that you would not be able to figure out how are you going to leverage the whole point of bias so it's important that you get mentors in place with whom you can discuss and debate this and then arrive at an action plan on how are you going to overcome biases first i think when you do all that what we say vivek we have to ensure that we start leveraging the biases and you have the right person to mentor the teams and get that best is when he's going to start having those what what we just spoke about the highly functional teams 
and as a marketing i always say when highly functional teams will lead to great performing companies improving the brand image in the market outside so it's great for marketing also folks listeners ensure your teams are working well because the roll on result of the teams performing well improves your company's performance which improves the brand in the market position and coming from the community's point of view so at the end of the day community is all about people people who come together for a specific purpose united by a cause and they really want to bring in change if you are able to you know put those things in place i am sure the skill sets the mindsets the attitude it evolves it comes into place and you really have the best of the best stuff around in the world i mean right from microsoft to apple to tesla to when we come down to our indian setup we have the tatas and everybody you know contributing their bit right to the startups uh, which are doing the cutting edge work at this point of time that's that's the holistic uh, landscape aspect what we are looking at those are great takeaways for all our listeners and to our listeners if you want to can connect with vivek to understand how they work and how they can help you ensure that your companies have the right analytics and data going on if you want to connect with him connect on impact tree that is i m p a c t r w e data technologies correct with vivek shankar narayan out there we'll also be including the contact information on our show notes and our social media so thanks vivek for joining us today it's been a great great discussion with you i know we've had great discussions across the table where we sit in office but it's a different kind of thing where we are also sitting across the screen and talking but it's been a great time thanks vivek Yes, thank you for having me here. It's been great time too. And as our bumblebee says, see with your heart, listen with your mind, spread your wings far and wide. Bye. Thank you, folks. Bye.